learning, learning all over again, um, for my part. So uh, I think Eric has a live look at the past three months of my life, if you'd like to see it. Um, <laughs> I don't know, you know, as you can read into that however you want. Am I the sloth? Did I see a sloth? Did I live like a sloth? You, you decide. I, I really, it's hard to put into words what a sabbatical is, the strategic creation of space to reframe the things that you're doing for a time. Um, it's, it's a vacation, but it's different from a vacation. It's, 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 it, it's a different kind of work. And uh, I, I am just really thankful that for the space that this church has created to, to, to let our staff and leaders have spaces like that where um, we can see sloths or be sloths or, or do the work of slothing. I mean, I, it really is so special to me. Um, it was kind of you to, you know, yay, Scott's back. But I just want to give you a yay you because of a couple things. I want to just offer a couple thank yous really fast before we dive into God's word. I want to thank uh, everyone that spoke from the Foundry's uh, stage and on Sunday mornings. It was, an, it, was, it was a good summer of learning together. I, I was following along with you. I was one of those numbers on the YouTube channel, like paying attention to the things happening here. And it was an encouragement to me to, to follow along and see how God's word was being shared as a community. I want to thank our staff and our oversight team for uh, not just creating the space for my family to be removed from all of responsible things <laughs> related to the foundry, but just the space created in, in not just, uh, you know, not just stewarding the vision and mission of our church, but advancing it. Um, by how we, how we live together on mission this summer. And thank you. Thank you for remaining engaged. Thank you for plugging in. Uh, some of, I'm meeting people for the first time that are like, yeah, I've been coming since June. And that's awesome. I'm really encouraged by the things that, that have been happening over the course of the past three months. I'm really excited to, to dive in together. As you can imagine, if you stop what you're doing for three months of time, uh, the reentry can be a little jarring. And, uh, and what's true, though, is that even in non-sabbatical seasons, that's kind of a thing in my family. Because I have two, two daughters that are in high school. I have a wife who is in education. And we live kind of in accordance with the school schedule. Which means summer is bliss, and there's no bedtimes, and it's, there's no meal prep. And then we start to feel the pangs of the necessity of routine you know, by about Labor Day. And, and here's what I just have come to figure out, and, and I, I now have to stand an account to two of the people who will, you know, uh, will, I will answer to in a little bit to whether or not this is true. But I, I'm just going to feel like we're a little off for about six weeks. The first six weeks of the school year are just kind of nutty. They're weird. There's big feelings. There's a lot to adjust to. It is not just a, everybody pose for the first day of school and let's get back at it. There are habits. And there's actually some grief from like really good summer memories. And, and I actually think that if you, maybe you're not bound to the school schedule the way we are, but like I really think for about six weeks it's like, don't make any major life decisions. So I feel a tension. I feel a tension between I love the fact that I can walk outside even today and my flesh is not immediately charring. I love the fact that like I can drink hot coffee and not feel the sweat 
down my back within three sips of doing so. I love the fact that we're going to talk about Orioles baseball in September. This is so good. This is so good. I love so many things that go with the fall, but even then it's an adjustment. And I, and, I, and, I, and I think it's just like a, you know, so, so part of why we would do a series like the one we've been doing in this month of September is to just, just sort of give ourselves some grace to recalibrate. To give ourselves some grace to admit to ourselves and to one another that we, we often want to live in a summer vibe, right? Big experiences, big, big time away, like I finally got my mind and my body and my heart catch up to one another, but, but the reality of like meal prep and routines and bedtimes and all of those things are, 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 are like pressing into our life now. now. But I think there's a spiritual metaphor in that. Because, because I think, you know, and we've got some, some folks in our room today that have gone to like summer camps and probably had some mission trips and, and, and having, has a great vacation. One of the things we will often do in spiritual growth is that we'll just sort of like live for the mountaintop experiences right? Like for me, it was Thursday night at camp, right? The vibe is great. Even when I was a youth minister, it was like, man, Thursday night at camp is just like a mountaintop place. The part of vacation where you finally stop thinking about work. Mountaintop experience, right? But then like here comes the fall. And you're like, where is God in the fall? When I have to be 14 different places in the next three hours. When the, the to-do list or the emails didn't stop coming to my inbox when I lived in my happy place. The invitation of the fall, from a spiritual metaphor, is to see God not just in the mountaintop experiences, but down the mountain in the everyday rhythms and routines of our day-to-day -day life. To be invited to encounter God in those places, but also to see the love of God do some of God's best work in us and around us with those established habits and routines. So we've got this series that we're calling Everyday Mission. It's a chance for us to think about and consider what it means to be a blessing. And we're using this as an acronym. We didn't write this, but this is, this is something we're using to sort of you just calibrate us the next couple of weeks. We talked about the idea of beginning with prayer. Not as a Wingardium Leviosa-like type of approach to God where we, we throw some things out and try to get God to dance the way we want God to dance. I, I went to Universal. We did the Harry Potter thing. It's just part of, it's in the vocabulary. You'll have to forgive me. It was immersive. Uh, uh, like, there's a way that we project prayer as that, right? Here's this incantation, and if I get the words right, and I get the posture right, God will do everything I want God to do. What we said two weeks ago was prayer... What it can do is align our heart, align our agenda, align our life to the character and nature of God. And if we begin to do that, we will see our block differently. We will see our coworker differently. We will see the burdens of responsibilities. Even if we feel tension in them, we, we will fight against that like impulse to just wake up in the morning angry at all the things that are being thrown at us. Today we want to talk about listening. I'm going to tell you something you already know. You feel it acutely. There is a difference between hearing and listening. Right? Some of the best listeners in my life actually don't hear very well. <laughs> they, they, hearing as a sense is difficult for them. 
but as a posture to listen, to care, to stand with, that's a whole other thing. So, so you know actually quite well what it's like to not be listened to, don't you? To not feel heard. Um, maybe you've been the parent trying to help the children understand why such a thing as bedtime or vegetables are an important part of your family rhythms or routines. Or maybe you've been the child trying to get your parent to understand. I mean, you, you feel like you're laying it out there. You feel like you're speaking their language. You're doing, you're, you're doing all the things that they've asked you to do to like not get in trouble for asking a particular thing. But, but the sensitivity of that question, the, 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 the emotions that go into it, you just don't feel heard. Maybe you've been the teacher trying to wrangle a classroom of people using all the tricks to understand, or maybe you've been the person in the class going, hey, you can say it again in the same way, uh, it's still going to be over here and not landing on my ears. Maybe you've been the healthcare person trying to look across from somebody and deliver very grave and important news that has landed on ears that are just not receiving that news. They're not understanding it. Or maybe you've been the person trying to articulate to a person with advanced degrees and many years of training that I, I know I, I'm looking at your scans and I understand what you're telling me, but something doesn't feel right. And I, where do I go now? Maybe <laughs> you've been told your call is very important. But not important enough to pick up in the next hour. <laughs> and maybe, just maybe, someone told you they were listening but they were entranced by the rectangular box in front of them. And let's be truthful, you've been that person too. We know what it's like to not feel heard. We also know what it's like to have the best intentions, right? Teacher, healthcare professional, child, parent, friend, and just, man, it's hard for us to get there. Conversely, and this is rarer, you know what it's like to feel seen or heard, don't you? doesn't happen as frequently, but when you really felt like someone understood you or got you or listened to you, isn't it crazy they didn't even fix it sometimes? They, the, the circumstances didn't change at all, but there's something about how you were approached. Dr. Carl Menninger says, listening is a magnetic and strange thing, a creative force. The friends who listen to us are the ones we move toward. When we are listened to, it creates us, makes us unfold and expand. Now, now that is some poetic wordsmithing, but what on earth does it mean? It, it, it means you know what it's like to be seen. You know what it's like when someone says, I'm listening, and, and they mean it. What happens there is magnetic. What happens there is powerful, but all too rare. And the question for us today is, what if the church of Jesus Christ, right, what are the people, the men and the women and the people that, 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 that claim to find and follow Jesus, were known for their capacity to listen more than their capacity to speak, right? What would be different about the relationships around us if the men and women who, who claim to speak for Jesus were listeners for Jesus? What would be different in our city if, if communities of faith like ours actually listen to the needs of the community around us, that's the question we want to consider in our time today. And what would it look like for you 
in all of the pressures and all of the expectations that are falling upon you, see what it did there, fall? (laughs) What would it look like for you to see that there's an invitation to hear from God where to lean in, how to lean in, and where to be paying attention so that you might separate the urgent from the kingdom thing. Luke chapter 18 is where we're going to be. Now, when we consider the ministry of Jesus, a lot of us who may not be super acquainted with the Bible or the Gospels, we might actually know Jesus from some of the things Jesus said. And as a church, we've actually studied all summer long stuff Jesus said. Right? And and in Luke chapter 18, Jesus says a lot of things, to, to be fair. I mean, he does. He says stuff. It's good stuff. I suggest you read the whole chapter. Right? We also, many of us, know Jesus for the things Jesus does, who Jesus served. We, we heard about uh, the way he treated someone that other people weren't kind to or didn't pay attention to. Um, and, and so with this speaking and this serving, they kind of feel like kind of superpowers for us, right? Like, well, what, what we may not pay attention to in Luke chapter 18 is the posture that Jesus brings to the speaking and to the serving. And I think that is the power of listening that we'll see in Luke chapter 18, picking up in verse 35. It says this, As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. I want to highlight a couple of things um, that I think are worthy of your consideration if we really want to get to the heart of this listening thing and the power of listening and Jesus' power to listen to, to this, this man. I think first thing to be considered is that Jesus is busy. Jesus is going to Jericho. What is in Jericho? Responsibilities, burdens, pressures, to-dos. What we will often say is like, well, it must be nice to have Jesus' amount of free time and dexterity to just do whatever Jesus feels like doing. And what we can see, even in a moment like this, is that there is a level of intention and crafting to how Jesus is carrying the burdens and expectations that are being placed upon him. You'll notice that part of the, the complicating factor here is that there's a group of people sort of speaking for Jesus, that have an agenda for Jesus. My suspicion is that there's a group of people that have an agenda for you and have a, have, have a way that they would choose to follow your life if they, you know, if they were in control of it. You know, the, the way that they would direct your life if they were the ones that were in control. Like, this is the thing that you should be doing. The question, I think, is what would Jesus do if Jesus were you? How would Jesus carry the burdens and the pressures and the expectations? What we know about, he's going to a city. Here's what we know about cities, right? They're messy. Even when they're beautiful, even when there's culture, even when there's, but there's collision. There's collision of culture. There's collision of, con, you know, inconvenience. It, it's, it's the thing where you're like, hey, if I go down this street, 
I'm going to have to have this interaction. And do I feel like really having that interaction today? Do I have time for that kind of interaction? Oh, if I walk down this street to go to the coffee shop, I'm going to see the person who's always on their stoop. And what I know is it will be an hour later and they'll still be asking me questions because they don't get to talk to many people. <laughs> and you, you kind of do this kind of taxi driver thing, don't you? When you live in and amongst a city, like how do I navigate the dysfunction around me trying to preserve my schedule? Jesus separates the perception of importance for the things that are actually vital. That's part of the power of listening. What we also see Jesus do is uh, stoke and direct those who are very busy projecting and speaking Jesus' agenda without actually consulting Jesus. You probably, someone probably comes to mind that does that that's not you, right? Someone who is loud, prominent on social media, at least in your family circles or group chats, that just has a lot to say about Jesus but doesn't often live in the posture that Jesus lives in. The harder thing to maybe detect is when that is you. When you are busy presuming that you know what God would do in any given situation or moment, but you're not really paying attention to what God is doing in and through you, and you miss the invitations. I think the last thing I'll say is, uh, for this man who asks for mercy, is rebuked, and then doubles down and gets louder about mercy, Jesus creates an environment of listening. Um, I have, I've often wondered, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, why does Jesus ask the question of what do you want me to do for you? Um, Like is he, is he, did, did, was there like a Leviosa that had to go in there or Leviosa, not Leviosa, you know, like is, did he have to say it right? Consider this. If you've been conditioned to be treated like you are a problem, It's difficult to be in touch with what you actually need. You, you, you often will just reduce yourself to just survival, right? I need food. I need a cup of water. I need a thing. And, and, and if we're in, live in kind of in that stress response, right? If we live in that kind of space, I've been there. I'm sure you've been there. We're like, people are like, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Just, I need something. I don't know what I know because I don't know what I'm in touch with. I don't know what I'm feeling. I just know that I'm, this is a really terrible situation. I'm trying to survive it. Jesus invites this man to move past the survival transactional relationships he's probably grown accustomed to and found a ways to survive in to asking a more existential question. It's not just, oh, finally, someone that can cure this sight thing. And I wonder if there's something in that for us. One, perhaps to remember or consider that Jesus isn't just inviting us to the transactional, like, all right, I came to church, I did my business, I got through it, I, you know, okay, okay whew, I'm going to get through today. But, but inviting, inviting this man, and consequently inviting us to consider, if, if we had an opportunity to interact with God's spirit and God's presence, what would we be bringing to the table? What emotions do we have to process from a week of 
doing in this room where we've forgotten who we are? And then how, as followers of Jesus, might we consider actually being people that don't just live at the surface level of like, let's throw money at it, let's throw water at it, let's throw this thing at it, but but are actually present and may allocate our resources like money or water or whatever we have better because we've actually been proximate and near to the very people that other people might be tempted just to kind of pass by and, and like reduce to no longer a problem for me. It's difficult though, isn't it? To listen and to be still. And so I wanna, I wanna share a couple of just encouragements out of this text. One, I think that is that Jesus gets the burden of feeling what you feel far more than maybe you do right like like you got some stuff being thrown at you that's not your job <laughs> you got some some people in your life throwing things at you that you're like i don't know how to solve that <laughs> jesus in his ministry in the scriptures, we see all the time being able to delineate and, and figure out what, what, is, what is the thing that needs to be done in this situation. There's a, a lot of things calling out, saying they're the most urgent thing in your life, but, but what is Jesus actually leading to? One of the things leading, leading you to, there's all kinds of moments in the scriptures where Jesus is getting away from the crowd, reframing his relationship to the crowd. And, and people get indignant, a little bit surly, and a little bit resentful that sometimes he's just not immediately saying yes to every little thing. But I think it's important, perhaps for your consideration, to say, well, you're not Jesus. The position of Savior has been taken. It's not you, and you are not without limits. So, so given the resources that you have, the ears to hear that you have, the, the time that you have, the re- where is God inviting you to lean in? to really pay attention. I, I can't answer that question for you. I can give you some things generally in the scripture. You know, God tends to show up where there are people that are hurting. God tends to show up where there are people who are experiencing and feeling some level of brokenness. But, but who those names are specifically, that's, that's a question for you to ask God. I want to invite us to do something that, that might feel a little weird if you've never done something weird. And I hope I didn't just, you know, make it weird for you. <laughs> but I just want to invite you for a moment to be still, just to try and like get out of your get out of your mind a moment. Who's pitching today for the Orioles, and what you're going to have for lunch, and if that ten dollar off coupon at Harris Teeter is going to work, or if you need to go to Costco and get run over by a cart to find cheap salmon. I like just take a breath for a minute, and and I just want to just take a moment and invite you to ask God, God, who are you putting on my mind today? Don't say it out loud, but just take, take a few moment, moment here to just see who the Lord brings to mind. can't answer for you what the action step with those particular names are. 
But in just a few moments, we'll have some time to, to commune with the Spirit of God, to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And what I would ask you to do is, is to just bring those names back to mind. Maybe for some of them, it's, it's reframing the relationship because maybe there's some hurt or there's some need for a different way to move forward. For others, it may be, hey, I need to, it may just be, I need to send them a text. Or, hey, I need to put the phone down when I'm at dinner because I, they're really going through something right now. Or I don't even know where they are. I haven't asked in a bit. I just need to check in with them. I don't know what the answers are. But, but bring those names back to mind in a little bit. The second thing, uh, just for our, our encouragement and edification, is maybe to consider um, the ways in which we allow the burdens and pressures of our moment to, to pull us away from the spaces God is asking us to pay attention to. How, you know, the burdens to be academically successful can, can rob you of, of the, 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 the joy of being in relationship with some people in your class, right? And it's not to say that academic success doesn't matter. It just might mean that we reframe some of those things or we, we take some time to care for ourselves, you know, or receive the fact that we, we, you know, we cannot always absorb every given thing all the time. We may have to take a break or sleep as a spiritual habit. I, I don't know what, what that might be for you, but are, because, because what tends to happen, and I, I, I can often be in touch with the, that I'm irritable, that I'm angry um, about something on the surface level, but, but maybe not in touch with like what pressures are driving me in situations to not be great listeners. When I'm not, not a great listener, what are the burdens and things that are running inside of my mind, inside of my heart, that I'm, I'm bringing into these conversations that are now really messy. If I go back to the places where, where people might not feel heard by me, it's not, it's not my intention. Is it that I'm glued to my phone? Is that I'm not in touch with my own stuff? Is that I'm not making space? Is that I'm asking them at the worst possible time to ask them a question? Or that they're asking me at the worst possible time to ask a question so I can set a boundary and say, hey man, I'd love to talk about that in an hour. But now we got to talk about the report, the financial report, or whatever the thing is. Last thing. What does it look like in your life to set up environments of listening where people are not just treated as problems to be solved, but seen as people to be loved? What would the lunch table look like? What would the break room look like? What would the family table look like if we began to think less about the problems that need to be solved and the people that need to be met? Jesus has a masterful way in John chapter 4 of, of meeting a woman who would not have been welcome in a lot of of, 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 you know, upstanding religious gatherings to, like, lead her to a place where she encounters the life that is found in Jesus by the presence and the questions he asks. Did he speak truth? He absolutely spoke truth. But at the pace and the cadence and in the proximity of real and genuine relationship, not commoditizing people in the name of, well, I told her. Conversely, there's a moment when Lazarus, a friend of Jesus, dies. And Jesus shows up on the scene. And Lazarus' sisters say to Jesus, have the, have the audacity to say to Jesus, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And Jesus, 
masterfully hears that, receives that, empathizes with that, weeps with that, without blowing up and going, well, let me tell you, and walks with them through the grief that they're feeling to show them the hope on the other side. Oh boy. <laughs> That's an environment of listening. That's an environment of listening to God and making space for listening to people. And you know so valuably those, that those, how rare those spaces are when you find them for yourself. But may we be a church not just committed to finding those things for ourselves, but extending those things to a world that so desperately is looking for a way to be heard. May we have, as the scriptures say, ears to hear. We're going to receive the Lord's Supper together. This is a thing that we do every week at the Foundry. If you're, if you're unfamiliar with this tradition, it's, it's a way for us to, to, to enter the space that Jesus, when his last supper with the disciples, um, was, 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 asking, was asking them to, to, as he broke bread and as he, as he poured wine, saying, hey, remember me. Okay, easy enough, right? So we think. But what you know practically is that it's so hard to remember that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that you are not your worst moment this week, that you are not your best moment this week, alone. And, and, and it's easy for us to forget that the way Jesus brought transformation was a power beyond ours, brought forth in ordinary presence. So when we remember Jesus, we, it's not just sort of a break in the action but a space for us to listen and to receive and to remember how we've been loved. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to invite us to do something. We did, so we're going to break this up. So if you're, if you're new to us today, you're, even, you're doing it differently. We're, we're doing something different than we normally do, and you wouldn't know the difference. But if, if you're with us every week, here are the instructions. Today I want to ask you to, to, after I pray, receive bread and cup and take it back to your seat. And just take a few minutes to be still and as quiet as you can. Trying to, to, to ask the Lord, what, what listening do I need to do? Like, what are the things that are being put on your mind? What are the things that have been on your heart that you would say to God if God really is here and present with us? Take a few minutes to be still. Partake when you are ready. And then we will continue to sing and celebrate together the God who wants to listen and hear and, and be with us so that we might walk with others well. Let's pray together, and then we'll partake in communion. God, I want to thank you for the bold claim in Matthew chapter 11 that we can come to you and we will find rest. That you will meet us in our weariness, the physical weariness, the emotional weariness, the relational weariness, the spiritual weariness. And you will help us to carry those things differently in light of your mercy and grace. Certainly, God, there are things that you want to put in our heart today to encourage or challenge us, to pick up, to pay attention, and to hear. But help us to do that only in as much as we understand 
how you're wanting also to give us space to receive your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray and remember and listen. Amen.